Attention, all podcasters. It's time to get epic. You're listening to Off the Post Podcast, broadcasting live from beautiful downtown British Columbia. here for episode three of off the post podcast today i got with me absolutely no one <laughs> so update uh parker's too busy uh to do any podcast stuff he's out uh brendan uh we planned a date brendan went to a bar instead so he's not here today kaiser and i don't blame kaiser he didn't want to do another two-man show so i said you know what screw it i'm just gonna go at it so it's just me today we're rocking a one-man episode of Off the Post Podcast. Uh, I am Cody French. I'll be your host again for today's episode. Uh, there's a few things I want to get into today. we got to look at a few topics. So, I want to hit on the Seattle... Wow, the uh, <laughs> the new Seattle name. Our new Seattle logo, name, team, everything. Uh, that was interesting to say the least today. And then I want to hit on some of the NHL award winners. So first, let's just start off quickly with uh, the newest NHL team, team number 32, the Seattle Kraken. Release the Kraken, baby. Um, I got to be honest with you guys. When I first heard this rumor pop up a few months ago, I was not really on board. But as it kind of, as the months kind of passed and I thought about the possibilities of like maybe potential mascots, potential logos, being able to call the... Key banks or whatnot. That's the Buffalo one. Well, I don't know what the uh, uh, well, I don't know what the new Seattle arena is called. It's like the uh, uh, I can't. It's like a it's like a green company. I can't remember the name, but uh, we get to call the new Seattle name or Seattle arena the Crack House. We get to call our fans the Crackheads. Everything's gonna be great. So I kind of warmed up to this idea a little bit today, and then as the official reveal came out i got pretty excited actually because they released the i don't know if you've seen the logo yet if you live under a rock you haven't seen the logo but the logo is mwah, chef's kiss the logo is beautiful i'm sure you've already seen it but it's just as the letter s and it's got like the uh the octopus uh thing going through the the s it's super clean and they went with the uh the light blue the dark blue and then the little red trim, it looks magnificent. I cannot describe how good it looks. The secondary logo is just the anchor, and it's got the... Uh, I, I'm blanking on all the names of the buildings today. God, I'm... Uh, it's got the uh, the Seattle... Oh, how do I... Hold on. Jeopardy music. Jeopardy music. This, the, there it is. The Space Needle. They got... I, I don't know how I blanked on that one. I'm just on a roll today. Uh, so they got the anchor, and in the middle of the anchor is the space needle. It looks really good. I'm sure you guys have seen it already. A bunch of the uh, a bunch of memes have already come out. Like, for example, we talked about the, uh, the crack house, uh, the crackheads, and the beautiful Photoshop of the Seattle Karens. Uh, but overall, I think I love the logo. I love the jerseys. I love the name. Everything looks 
they I don't know if they could have done a better job with what like everything is just perfect I, I think my only one little compl it's not even a complaint it's just, it's just I'm just trying to nitpick I guess but the one thing that I guess I didn't like was I guess the jerseys are beautiful they nailed them just not that not a lot of pop to them you know what i mean like they look really silky smooth they look really clean but there's just not a lot of pop also sorry i live in a sketchy area you'll hear those sirens every now and then uh they just didn't really pop though but uh, i want to hit i want to hit on that real quick because in future episodes i'm sure when some of the guys get back that is getting louder i apologize when some of the guys get back is that coming to my house i hope not um so when some of the guys get back we will uh, hit on potential expansion draft picks, uh, potential expansion draft teams. That is getting louder. Okay, it stopped. Um, <laughs> potential expansion draft teams, players, everything. Uh, we'll look a bit at that. I haven't done too much looking around of the potential expansion players that could be picked. Uh, I've done a little bit on the cap-friendly website. Uh... The, the two players, just off the top of my head, that stick out that Seattle could snag from Arizona, Antiranta, and from the Vancouver Canucks, Thatcher Demko. Thatcher Demko is a great young goalie, and the Canucks might have to leave him unprotected in the expansion draft, unless they want to move him. They got Jacob Markstrom. Uh, he's, this is his final year of his deal. Uh, he's going into free agency, unless the Vancouver Canucks get him under contract. They haven't come even close to terms right now the last i heard of it i think markstrom's looking around dollar wise he wants something around the six to 6.5 area while the canucks are kind of looking in the low fives uh i think i think fair value honestly four years times six uh markstrom has been a top in my eyes he's been a top three goalie this year uh we'll hit on that with the uh the vesna talk later on in the show uh i think he's worth four times six absolutely but then it just raises the question of what do the Canucks do with Thatcher Demko, and I've see I've seen some things online where maybe you package him with Louis Erickson. I I personally don't like that. I feel like that's a bit of an overpay from the Canucks side. Uh, you could but you could package him. Excuse me. You could package him with potential fourth line players that Jim Benning is overpaid. It's not the fact that he's overpaid. It's 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 the extra year he gives out. For example. It's that extra year that Jay Beagle and Antoine Roussel have. Going into the next season here, they have two years left. If they can just get one year cut off that and they come off right when Pedersen and Hughes deals expire, it's perfect. But we also have to remember the Canucks are one year ahead of schedule too. They weren't expecting contention this early on. And I, as a Vancouverite, I wasn't either. The Vancouver Canucks, they aren't, they aren't my favorite team. My favorite team's the Dallas Stars. But being in the Vancouver market... You're, you keep up with everything. I watch every game. I keep up with all the Vancouver Sports Radio. I keep up with everything. So, I kind of know what's going on around here. Uh, that, I'm not pumping my own tires. That's what it sounded like. But I, I get an idea of what's going on here. The Canucks rebuild is absolutely a year early, which is a great thing. Because uh, now, like, this, this looks like the best Canucks team I've seen in nine years. It... Like, this is the best team, and part a huge part of it is Jacob Markstrom. He has put that team on his back. And this is also, you could say, the last eight years of hockey teams in Vancouver have been, well, nothing short of abysmal. The 2012 and 2013 teams were very good, but they were huge, massive letdowns, including 
a sweep to the I believe it was a sweep to the LA Kings and a five game exit to the Sharks. I could have that it might be the other way around. I think I got that mixed up. But you get the point there. A very disappointing two years for those Canucks. So I think uh, ever since that Luongo has left, uh, they've been dying for that true number one goalie. They brought in Ryan Miller on a short short term deal. Got him into the playoffs there for a bit, but that was that year where they played Calgary in the first round. That was they like the expectations for that for that team were not high. And when they started hot, everyone said, "Okay, well let's just give him time. They'll cool down." Twenty games in, oh okay, let him cool down. Forty games in, okay, let's let him cool down. And before you know it, they're in the playoffs. So after Luongo, uh, it's been Ryan Miller, Eddie Lack. Uh, I don't know if y'all remember the name uh, Anders Nielsen. That's a name. I can't remember who took over for Luongo when he first, when he first got traded. It might have been Lack, because Lack did play that outdoor game over Luongo, which I'll, I'll never I'll never forgive Torts for that one. But uh, we're getting a bit off track here, so let's move let's move back onto the uh, topic here, the expansion draft. So uh, Thatcher Demko could be the exposed piece that the golden knights could golden knights god <laughs> they're just so they're so new to me still the kraken beautiful name by the way the seattle kraken could jump on thatcher demko and he has the potential to be a number one goalie in the future like in the future i don't know if he's got like top three i don't know if he's got the capability of being a top three goalie from his country where's thatcher he's he's either american or canadian i think he's canadian uh, I gotta search it up now while I'm while I'm thinking of it here. I don't think he'll be that level of excellence. Yeah, he's from San Diego, California. So you look you look at the depth chart. Uh, John Gibson ahead of him. Connor Hellebuck ahead of him. That's just two right off the bat. So I don't think Thatcher Demko can be in that kind of elite category. But he can definitely become a starting goalie. He can be a type of goalie that you can win the cup with. So I think that is one piece. The Seattle Kraken. I always get a little chuckle out of that name. The Seattle Kraken, that could be the goalie. Not only a goalie they look at but in the expansion draft, but the goalie. Especially if they get Markstrom locked up under... Excuse me. Especially if they get Markstrom locked up under a new contract there. And you look at Arizona too. Darcy Kemper. Darcy Kemper is the world's... Not, not even hockey. The world's best kept secret. In our fantasy draft this year, it was in one of the later rounds. Kaiser, the other host, he says to me, "Why is no one drafting Ant or no one drafting Darcy Kemper?" I'm like, "Dude, he's not that good." And he's like, "Oh man, let me tell you, they draft Darcy Kemper super late in the draft, and he has another outstanding year. I believe he had another year where he had a 9.30 save percentage or above. He, if it's not for injury, I don't know if he's my Vesna winner because, again, spoilers, but." I don't know if he's my Vezina winner just because Connor Hellebuck was just, oh man, unreal. But I think he definitely gets into the top three, 100%. So that could be another goalie uh, the Kraken look at in Antiranta. They got options there. They have a lot of options. Uh, I have to look at the uh, the rest of the team there, or the rest of the league, to see what kind of expansion players they have left up for grabs uh, come the 2021-2022 season. I looked at it a bit today, but it's it's too hard to tell right now. For example, I stumbled across, I believe it was Buffalo. and Or no, it was Florida, sorry. And you're protecting players from their team, and they have pending UFA, pending UFA, Mike Hoffman, 
They got Evgeny Dadanov, and I'm thinking, like, am I going to protect these players? Like, are these guys even going to be here? So we have to look ahead into the future, of course, there. Uh, the Se but the Seattle... The Seattle... I keep saying the Seattle expansion team because this, the Kraken has not sunk into my brain yet. But the Seattle Kraken, they are in the best spot possible right now. With with the flat cap being implemented for the next... For sure the next two years, I'm going to go as far to saying even four. Maybe five. But for five, two years for sure. Uh, if NHL teams like... The Vancouver Canucks. I, I reference the Canucks a lot. If the Canucks want to dump guys like Erickson, like Beagle, uh, another example here, let's say, I don't know, if the Anaheim Ducks want to dump David Backus, something like that. Uh, Seattle is in the perfect spot to say, we're not, we don't want to contend anytime soon. You want us, you want us to take your bad contract? Pay up. And, you know, GMs are not going to make that same mistake with the Vegas Golden Knights of saying, don't take this player, we'll give you this player. For example, <laughs> Minnesota Wild, uh, don't take, I can't remember, I think it might have been Dumba. Don't take Dumba, we'll give you Alex Tuck. And they're like, oh, okay, sure. And then you look at, I might have the story a little wrong here. You look at the Florida Panthers, they say, okay, you take Jonathan Marcheseau, but you, <laughs> you gotta take Riley Smith with you, and they're like, okay, and like, I understandably so. Riley Smith wasn't like, wasn't living up to his contract, but then you know, March or so Smith go to Vegas. They're now some of their top players there. So you know the NHL teams are not going to be looking to make those kind of deals again. They're going to be very careful. And I know uh, Rick Dollywall. Uh, he said he was talking to GMs around the league, and he knows that like they've been saying to him like they've they've learned their lesson. Like they're they're not gonna fall for that again. Uh, they're not gonna be making those trades to keep. They're gonna what they're gonna be doing is okay. If we have to leave this player protected, unprotected, sorry, fine. Just just take him because they don't want to make that same mistake. Of let's say for example, let's again let's go back to the Vancouver Canucks. Let's go to the Canucks again. Hey, they say, <laughs> don't take Demko. We'll give you. Jake Vertanen and a pick. Vertanen goes to Seattle and he put up 18 goals this year in about, I think, 68 games. And he, Vertanen in Vancouver, he, it's a weird situation. He, Vertanen absolutely has the skill to become a top six player. He's got the skill, he's got everything. It's just, he, he doesn't put in the effort. That seems to be a problem every night. Or I wouldn't say every night, but. A common theme. It's just, it's cons he's consistently inconsistent, un, in uncon. That's a word. He is, <laughs> he is consistently inconsistent, and that's a big problem with the Vancouver Canucks, and that could be a problem with them going forward. What, well, like you look at, and I know you don't want to read too much into the scrimmages, but Bertanen has not been good. Guys like Louis Erickson and Zach McEwen have jumped over him in the depth chart, so that could be hard shipping. No one say hard shipping him out, but. Not many teams will want to take a chance on a guy like that. So, like I said there, you're going to have to be very careful to make sure NHL GMs don't make those same mistakes. But Seattle is in the perfect spot to capitalize on some of these horrid, horrid, horrid contracts and be able to bite some GMs' ass in the league. Uh, we're going to hit more on the Seattle expansion stuff, the Seattle Kraken stuff later in the future. Uh, that was just our plan for today was all awards show. 
But then late last night, news comes out, Seattle releasing their team names. We kind of scrambled. We, we were not prepared for this, as you can tell, because everyone left me. So in, in the future, we are going to hit on that. We're going to hit on future expansion teams, or the Seattle Kraken expansion team, I should say. Future players, all that kind of stuff. All right, so let's move on to the award winners, or the award finalists, I should say. Uh, if you guys, again, if you live under a rock and you missed it, the award finalists were announced the last week and a little bit here, but last 10 days here. Uh, so I want to get into the, I want to dissect every award, every finalist, maybe talk about some snubs, potential winners for next season, maybe looking a little bit too far ahead, but uh, I got my list here of who I think should win the top three for each award. But I want a quick little disclaimer, and this one, this one never made sense to me. I never understood this, but why? Who like who are we to discuss or to debate who should win the Masterton Award? You know what I mean? Like for like the the three finalists, you got Oscar Lindblom, who was treating cancer all year. He just came out of the hospital, cancer free. Could like the so happy for him like the, the, like I, I cannot put into words how happy i am for him like he is absolutely worthy of a nomination all, whoever got nominated i can't name you all 31 nominations but i can guarantee you every one of them are worthy of a nomination but it's just who are we to whittle it down to three players you, you know what i mean like it's just it just feels wrong you have bobby ryan who uh, had a horrible horrible alcohol addiction and he comes back in his first game after rehab. Patrick against the Canucks. And even the Canucks fans here were like, you know, they weren't mad. They're like, dude, like, good for him. Like, that's awesome. And then, and I'm a Stars fan, so I can give good insight about this one. But Steven Johns, this is one of the more underrated stories. Uh, he suffers a concussion and he suffers post-traumatic headaches. Uh, he went through a 22-month, yes, a 22-month rehab where he dealt with a lot of suicidal thoughts, depression, uh, he wrote suicide notes. He went through like hell and back. So it's like, he also scored one of his first games back, by the way. I don't know if it was the first game, but a couple games later he scored. Um, so all three of these players are extremely worthy. And I guarantee you the other 28 players are all just as worthy, but who are we to discuss who is more deserving? Who like, like it just sounds so crappy of us to say, dude, like, Going like dealing with cancer much worse than alcohol addiction. Like we can't we can't debate that. That's not up to us. Like that I'm not gonna discuss. I'm not discussing that one further. Uh, not talking finalists. Not talking who should win it. Uh, that one's always been a little. Uh, that one's that one's rubbed me the wrong way a bit. I never like talking about that one. So just a little quick disclaimer there. Move on from that one. Cause I all all 31 nominations should get to split it, but. I, I just, like, who are we to decide that or even debate that? So moving on here, uh, let's go from my list uh, top to bottom. So first we have the Adams Award. Uh, if you missed it, the three finalists, uh, no order because we don't really know the order yet. John Tortorella, Bruce Cassidy, Elaine Vigneault. Here's, I don't understand this. It's, in my eyes, I don't understand, and all respect to Bruce Cassidy, I just don't understand 
the hype that comes with him when it comes to the NHL network and the NHL voters. Like he, he like all all creds to the Boston Bruins. Like great year, great season. But I just the Adams Award for me is either who is the most improved team award or who is a playoff team that not one person had like in mind. So for me, but John Tortorella, great nomination. He's actually my winner. John Tortorella, great nomination. Elaine Vigneault uh, comes in, turns the Philadelphia Flyers in a complete 180. A lot of that you can credit to Carter Hart as well. Uh, but I mean, Elaine Vigneault, uh, Vancouverites, you guys know. He's one. Of, he's he's been one of the best in the game. We've seen him here in Vancouver for a couple years, way back. Uh, but Bruce Cassidy, for me, it's like everyone kind of expected Boston to be at the top of the league. Like, sure, you can give credit to him that like they've just been insanely good. But for me, it's just like I don't know. I kind of expect I kind of expected the Bruins to be here. Uh, they are not really a surprise to be. Or they, they might have even been first place in the league. So, that's not really surprised me. I, I, and after the season they had last year, where they, they were one game short of the Stanley Cup. So, Bruce Cassidy is not really... I'm not really feeling that one. The biggest the biggest snub to me, out of the top three, and he's my third place uh, nominee, Where, where's Sullivan? Where's the Pittsburgh coach? Where's Mike Sullivan? Did he fall off the face of the earth? I, you look at the Pittsburgh Penguins roster this year. Crosby, just out for, what was it? Might have been seven weeks. He was out for a long time. Malkin was out for a bit there. The, that team was decimated with injuries. And you look at guys like Brian Rust, who he might have been a point-per-game player this season. Like he had a career year. Mike Sullivan in that team, he has been able to implement this culture is a winning culture and all his guys all his players just get on board with him he's already, he's got back-to-back Stanley Cups as well I'm that one's a surprise to me I'm I am blown away he did not get nominated there so my top three would have been at number one we got Tortorella number two Elaine Vigneault number three Mike Sullivan so it's pretty much the same you take Bruce Cassidy out you throw in Mike Sullivan but for my fourth and fifth votes and I, I hated, I hated leaving this guy out at number four. Right, number four, I hated leaving him out in the top three. That's Dave Tippett, Edmonton Oilers. You look at this Oilers team. No one, no one thought they'd be this good this year. Everyone thought this would be their down year. Maybe get some players in free agency. Maybe draft a couple of good players. Come back for next year and just blow everyone out of the water. You could argue Edmonton. They're at technically a year ahead of schedule. They should have been good as soon as McDavid. Like, Peter Shirelli took that team off track. As soon as McDavid got there, they should have been contending almost instantly. Maybe not maybe not the first year of him being there, but the next year. Which, technically, they did. They were a playoff team. But then after that, just downhill, downhill, downhill. So, he, he brought that team, he being Dave Tippett, he brought that team back to life. Uh, of course games played counts and stuff, but I believe the Edmonton Oilers were the fourth place team in the Western Conference. Uh, they were two points ahead of the Stars, but two games, uh, they had two more games played, but I mean, even that, that's 
we're fifth place in the West still without those games played, or if Dallas matches, like, that's insanely good. They were the second place team in the Pacific Division. <sighs> like, and he's, it looks like Mike Smith and Miko Koskinen have been very good this year, and I think a big part of that can go to Dave Tippett. I was, I was surprised that maybe he... I would put Tippett... Excuse me. I would put Tippett over Bruce Cassidy. That one was kind of a surprise to me as well that he wasn't in the... Well, I guess we don't really know who was in the running yet afterwards. We'll find that out after the awards, but... It's just Bruce Cassidy at top three was a bit of a surprise for me, but it's just that's just the NHL runs, right? They, they have to do things weird. At number five for me was Travis Green with the Vancouver Canucks. Travis Green, uh, you look at the way the Canucks started the season. I don't have their exact record in front of me from the start of the season, but they, they were the top team in the Pacific Division. Uh, you could argue he's been a that Travis Green has been a big part of Elias Pettersson's development. Elias Pettersson was expected to be a 90, like 90 point player in his prime but i think that's kind of changed to him being you know a little around a point per game player maybe a little less but this elite defensive two-way centerman he kind of like his play and i'm not saying that this is his peak because he will not be this peak but his play style reminds me of wayne gretzky and this is not me saying he's gonna put up 2,000 3,000 plus points like he won't he won't do that but just his play style he's like a mix of gretzky and datsu just the way he plays like, he's very, like, the hands and just the shot reminds me a lot of Gretzky and his defensive two-way play, just resemblance of Datsuk. And, like, you come into the season, you look at Quinn Hughes. Everyone in this market was saying, including myself, if Quinn Hughes can come in, if Quinn Hughes comes to the Vancouver Canucks, he puts up, I don't know, as a, as a rookie, he puts up, let's say, 20, let's say 35 to 40 points. Even that's kind of a stretch. He does that and he's solid defensively. The Canucks got a pretty good win there. Comes into the season, 53 points in 68 games. As a rookie, 53 points in 68 games. That's And he was the team's best defenseman, like defensively too. Like, it's I, like Quinn Hughes has left me speechless. I don't know if, he's because we're on the West Coast here, so it's tough to catch, it's tough for the Eastern guys to catch the, uh, the late games here, but Quinn Hughes is, in my mind, most valuable player either comes up to Quinn Hughes or Jacob Markstrom. You look at that Canucks defense without Quinn Hughes, it's just, it's lacking big time. A big part of that, a big part of Quinn Hughes' success goes to Travis Green in my eyes. Uh, to get 53 points out of a rookie defenseman. So Travis Green gets my fifth vote there. Uh, let's move on to the next award. Next, we got the Calder. And speaking of Quinn Hughes, uh, number one on my ranking uh, is Quinn Hughes, Vancouver Canucks. We just talked about him. I don't know how much, what else I really have to say. I said most of it. Uh, I guess I'll repeat myself, but uh, top defenseman on the team. He's turned that power play into one of the best in the entire NHL. He's given he's given that defense a hope, like a future. Go Before Quinn Hughes was drafted... It was pretty much everyone being, everyone saying, fingers crossed, Oliu Levy, just please becomes even a six NHL defenseman, just something. And people still kind of have that mindset, but there's not that anxiety now with Quinn Hughes. Quinn Hughes has come in here and just, like, he's just made this Canucks team an entirely different threat. You look, you look at the, like, here, you look at the past Canucks teams of the past year. Uh, did they have any 
uh, Norris caliber defenseman when they played the Islanders in 82? Nope. Do they have any caliber NH or Norris caliber defenseman they played the Rangers in 94? Nope. Do they have any caliber I keep I keep blanking on the word Norris. Any Norris caliber defenseman in 2011? Nope. That Quinn Hughes is arguably and this is I'm not trying to slam the Canucks defense of the last 50 years. But Quinn Hughes may already be the most skilled defenseman in Canucks history. They just haven't seen a defenseman like this. Like the closest thing they've seen to Quinn Hughes in this organize in this organization is Matthias Oland. And he was a fantastic player. That's not me slamming Matthias Oland. He's a great player. But it's just the Vancouver Canucks have not even seen a player, not even a forward like Quinn Hughes, let alone a defenseman. He's like we said, 53 points in 68 games. And he's also the team's top defensive not even defenseman let alone top defensive player and that's a that is a team with elite defensive center Elias Pettersson so for me he's putting up 53 points in 68 games he finishes the season he gets about 60 65 he plays against the top team's line uh like it's it's for me it's a no-brainer uh number two Kale McCarr not really that much of a surprise there my top three my top three favorites are the NHL's top three finalists, Hughes, Makar, Kubalik. Kale Makar, uh, he had a, a fantastic start to the season. Uh, I, can't remember, I can't remember how many points he put up in the month of November, but he was red hot. In the month of November, he was getting Norris votes because they do like the, the, quarter, the quarter polls from the NHL writers. He was getting Norris votes, let alone Calder votes. In the last few months, I believe I personally believe Quinn Hughes has passed him, but October, November, December for me it was Kale McCarr, and and it wasn't a debate for me. But I think since then Quinn Hughes has passed him. And number three, and trust me, it was it was really tough to leave Adam Fox out of the top three. It was it was not easy, but regardless of age, a rookie comes into the NHL and scores thirty goals. Like you, you just can't overlook that, and that's in, that's in a shortened season too. And I'm sure he missed some time too. Let me get a, uh, let me get his stats here real quick. All right, so yeah, here we go. In 68 games played, he had 46 points and 30 goals. 30 goals for a rookie, no matter if you're age 18, if you're age 24, if you're a rookie, that's damn impressive. So he gets my number three vote, and my number four, like we mentioned earlier, Adam Fox. Like, he, he, Adam Fox was absolutely terrific. It was so tough leaving him off here. This season, he had 42 points in 70 games. Not only that, though, he was one of the best players on the New York Rangers, just behind Artemi Panarin and Mika Sabanajad. His, his advanced stats are just, like, they're, I can't even describe. I think... On one, I can't. I don't know who creates the one chart there where it shows their market value, but his market value is about ten million dollars. Adam Fox can do it all. It was, oh, it was so tough to leave him out at number three. I had to put him at number four. It's tough, but it is what it is. It is what it is. And number five, and everyone's been sleeping on this guy here. It was actually Kaiser that recommended him to me because I didn't have him in my top five at first. And he goes, like we talked about our top five voting like before we even discussed a podcast and he goes you don't have Mackenzie Blackwood in your top five and I'm like I didn't even think of him 
And like Mackenzie Mackenzie Blackwood might be the most underrated player in the NHL right now. This season, he put up in 47 games played a save percentage of 9.15 and a goals against average of 2.77. And that is on a brutal, brutal, I repeat, brutal New Jersey Devils team. Mackenzie Blackwood has started to turn that franchise around. They thought they had their number one goalie and Corey Schneider. Uh, they traded him for the ninth overall pick. Or they traded Corey, the Canucks traded Corey Schneider for the ninth overall pick, which ended up being Bo Horvat. They thought they had their future goalie, their goalie of the future. Turns out they do not. Here comes Mackenzie Blackwood, and he steals the show. And this is the thing for me. Mackenzie Blackwood is, like, I talk about how underrated he is, but let me just let me just crunch some numbers for you, as Kaiser would say. So this season, he had a 9.15 save percentage, and uh, he had a 9.15, and it was a goals against average of 2.77. Let's go to Jordan Bennington for a second. He's got a save percentage of 9.12 and a 2.56 goals against. So the goals against average are a little a little lower in Bennington's favor, but the save percentage is like that that point zero three. You don't understand the difference of that point zero three. That is a huge difference. But everyone looks at Bennington as this surefire top ten goalie. But but Kenzie Blackwood, he's right there, and no one talks about him. He could him. Him, Carter Hart, and Jordan Bennington could all fight for that starting roster spot in Team Canada in a couple years' time. No one talks about Mackenzie Blackwood. He is also one of the best-kept secrets in the league, along with along with Darcy Kemper. All right, so coming in next, we have the Selkie voting. For me, this one wasn't... For, for finding, figuring out number one for me wasn't too hard, but let's go to the top three for the NHL first. They had Couturier, Ryan O'Reilly, Patrice Bergeron. I'm fairly confident Patrice Bergeron's just there off name value and his past Selkie, uh, his, yeah, his past Selkie uh, voting and awards. Um, I still think Bergeron's a solid top ten centerman. Uh, he, I had him top five going into the season. I, he's, I think he slid out of that top five range, but he's still in that five to ten area for me. Uh, my, my winner for the Selkie for the Selkie is Sean Couturier, and you got to look at it this way. Uh, the Selkie Award is for the best defensive player, best defensive forward. But the NHL, you you need the production of points with the Selkie. And I, I know that sounds sounds horrible, but it's it's just true. And I believe that's why Couturier was robbed of the Selkie in 2018 over Anze Kopitar. And I believe that's the huge reason why Ryan O'Reilly won it last year. So he's got the production with the elite defensive center, the elite defensive game this season. And for me, Couturier at number one is a no-brainer. And number two for me is Ryan O'Reilly. Uh, Ryan O'Reilly has been, like, he has been a huge part of why the Blues are looking to be back-to-back -back cup champions, which as a Stars fan just makes me sick in my friggin' mouth. But, I mean, you can't you can't ignore greatness like that. Ryan O'Reilly, uh, I don't have his... I'll get his stats. I don't have his stats with me here for uh, his points at least, but I don't... He did... Ryan O'Reilly didn't score many... Uh, he didn't score many goals this season. Uh, I believe he had... He might not even have uh, cracked 10 goals. Uh, let me just check here. Here we go. So Ryan O'Reilly this season, he had 61 points in 71 games, and he had 12 goals. 
he was one of the better playmakers in the league this year while also being a, a top defensive center in the game. When he originally got traded to St. Louis, Kaiser says to me, do you understand how good Ryan O'Reilly is? I said, yeah, he's pretty good. He's like, I would say I would say Ryan O'Reilly is a number one center on a bad team. But like, he'd be a solid number two on like a good team. And Kaiser goes, no. Like, Ryan O'Reilly is a legit number one defenseman. And when they go into the 2018-2019 season, Ryan O'Reilly puts up 77 points in 82 games, puts up 23 points in 26 playoff games while winning the Selkie Award. And obviously, Mick Kaiser was totally right on that one. Uh, he comes in at number two for me. Number three, Mark Stone. I was I was shocked that Mark Stone didn't get the nod over Patrice Bergeron, but Mark Stone's, I guess you could argue that Ottawa team was, I guess you could say they were, they were okay. They weren't great. Like the one that went to the cup final or the conference finals in 2017. But this looks like it's Stone's first, Stone's first time playing on a legitimate NHL team. And he's been nothing short of dynamic for them. He's got the points to back it up. He's got the defensive stats to back it up. He, for, he for me, I, I'm surprised he didn't get the nod over uh, over Bergeron there. But at number four, another one I thought should have got the nod over Bergeron, uh, Anthony Sorelli. Uh, he kind of came out of nowhere this year for the Tampa Bay Lightning. Uh, Anthony Sorelli, for me, uh, I picked him up in fantasy of, a little later on in the year, and he was defensively and offensively was one of my best players. Uh, Anthony Sorelli doesn't get enough love for his defensive game. I don't know if the Tampa Bay Lightning can afford him this offseason. Uh, I think someone could offer sheet him for around 7 to $8 million and they could they could steal Sorelli off the Tampa Bay Lightning. Uh, so that's the guy they definitely want to get locked up. Number 5, Patrice Bergeron. Uh, I don't know what else to really say about Bergeron after slamming him. I, don't, I didn't mean to slam him, but I mean, he, play, he plays between two of the best players in the game, between Marshawn and Pasternak. I mean, he's still a top 10 center in my eyes, but like I said, not really too much to say there. So let's just move on to the next award. The next award we have, and I just realized I'm, I'm starting the countdown from 1 to 5. I'm going to start going from 5 to 1. So the next award we got here is the Vesna Award. So at number 5 for me, and I mentioned him, mentioned him earlier in the show, I got Carter Hart at the Philadelphia Flyers. And I mentioned earlier that the two biggest reasons that the Philadelphia Flyers have turned this team into a legitimate cup contender, Alain Vigneault and Carter Hart. I don't have Carter Hart's home stats on me at the moment, but Carter Hart's home stats this year were... Just, I can't put into words how ridiculously good they were. Carter Hart was one of the best goalies at home ice this year. His away stats weren't the greatest, but he's, he's still, I believe, he's a 21-year-old. 914 save percentage of 242 goals against. Uh, you've let in 95 goals this year on how many shots here? Does it not show how many shots he faced? What, what is this crap? Here it is. So this, I was about to say, so he's got 1,005 saves uh, and 95 goals against. So it's pretty good for a 21-year-old who's coming to. And like that Philadelphia Flyers team defensively, they're not horrible. They're not great. Ivan Provorov's pretty good. Uh... Shane Goss's bear has taken a bit of a step back. Matt Niskanen's very solid. Uh, they got some other really good young names I'm forgetting as well. Uh, so it's not, not a brutal defensive team, but not, not a great defensive team. Like, they're okay. Uh, so Carter Hart for me at number five. I just knocked over my bottle, and my drink is spilling everywhere. Um, at number four, uh, for me, is Ben Bishop. 
Ben Bishop last year, in my mind, last year was robbed of the Vesna Award. The goal, uh, the NHL voters for goalies tend to go to, and I guess the G. We got to keep in mind the NHL GMs vote for this award. They tend to lean towards wins, which I don't understand why, because I feel like goalie wins are more of a team stat than anything. And I said this to Kaiser. You put David Riddick in Andre Vasilevsky's spot, where are the Tampa Bay Lightning? Like, I'm sure they're not the same caliber. Like, they're they're probably not, like, at, at max, like, a 110-point team, 105-point team. But they're probably a 95-point team. Like, they're 100-point team. Like, they're... They're not that much worse with David Riddick and net than Andre Vasilevsky. So I, in my mind, I think Ben Bishop got robbed last year. But him and Anton Hudobin shared the crease in Dallas this year. Uh, ben Bishop this season, was pulling the stats up here real quick. Ben Bishop, he pulled out a 920 save percentage and a 250 goals against. And he is one of the main reasons that that Dallas Stars team does not allow any goals. They can't score many goals, but they do not allow any in my mind, they are the one of the perfect playoff teams because you got to win those 2-1 games in the playoffs to advance. And Dallas was, they were one goal away from knocking out the Stanley Cup champions last year. Ben Bishop's a huge part of that. Looking at the stats last season, he put up a 934 save percentage and a 198 goals against average. I, I, I'm surprised he didn't win that award last year. Uh, but nonetheless, I got him coming in at number four. And at number three for me... I got Tuka Rask. No one... Speaking of underrated players, Tuka Rask. Tuka Rask does not get the love he deserves. He put up a 9.29 save percentage this year with 2.12 goals against average. I don't know... I don't know if you guys have seen his playoff stats, but uh, his playoff stats... He, I think he's the leading goalie in save percentage when it comes to playoff stats. I'm just going to pull it up here really quickly. Here we go. So his NHL playoff stats. He's got a career 927 and a career save percentage. Or that's his, sorry, his career save percentage of 927 and has career goals against at 219. In the playoffs last in the playoffs last season, he put up a 934. And the year before that, he wasn't too great at 903. But his past other seasons, his past four, a 920, a 928, a 940. Where that year he took the uh, the Bruins to the Cup final against the Hawks, and then a 9-12 in his first time in the playoffs. So, and fun fact, he put up a po he had one assist that year, so good for him. <laughs> so Tuka Rask, in my mind, if you take the Rask, you take you take the Rask, <laughs> you take Tuka Rask off the Bruins, ah, they're a playoff team, but they are they are not a Stanley Cup threat in my eyes without Tuka Rask. So Tuka Rask for me comes in at number three, and at number two. And this is really, I guess, the coming out season for this player. He was really good last season, but no one really knew if he was legit or not. But he backed it up this year. For me, in my eyes, number two is Jacob Markstrom. I mentioned it earlier in the show. Jacob Markstrom with the Canucks, quite possibly the most valuable player on that team. I believe, in you go to advanced stats there, I think he stole 8 to 10 wins this year for the Vancouver Canucks. He put up a save percentage of 918 and a goals against of 275, which doesn't sound great. But without Jacob Markstrom and goal for the Canucks, it's it's a tire fire of a season. They, I I can't even describe how bad they would probably be. And this is no shade on Thatcher Demko or Louis Domingue. They're both 
fine NHL goalies. And like we mentioned earlier in this show, Thatcher Demko will be number one one day. But it's just it just talks like it just screams volume to how good Jacob Markstrom's been this year. Jacob Markstrom, in my eyes, gets the number two the number two nod, and I don't think there's any debate about this one. Number one, Connor Hellebuck. And speaking of without this player, they'd be bottom five. Without Connor Hellebuck, the Winnipeg Jets might be dead last. They got that wicked top six of Kyle Connor, who is, again, I seem to throw this term out a lot, one of the most underrated players in the league. Kyle Connor, Blake Wheeler, Mark Shifley, Patrick Laine, Nikolai Ehlers, and then Cody Eakin kind of sneaks into that top six there. But uh, that's find a better top six in the league you'll find uh, you might find one or two but it's just the defensive depth the goal like the defensive depth in winnipeg you got neil pionk joshua morrissey who are great defensemen uh after that it's kind of thin dylan Demello is extremely underrated but i mean after that like kulikov pool is kulikov still there i can't remember like their defense is so bad i'm blanking they got tucker poolman they had Lucas Spiza playing top PK minutes for a, er, for a bit earlier in the season there. Uh, without Connor Hellebuck, that team is a... There's no other way to put it. They are a disaster without Connor Hellebuck. Look at his stats this season. He had a 922 save percentage and a 257, 2.57 goals against average. Uh, he had a down year last season. And a big reason for me why I didn't have the Jets in the playoffs going into the year because I wasn't sure if Connor Hellebuck could find that old form he had the year before where he put up a 924 save percentage and a 236 goals against average but Connor Hellebuck is just I can't say enough good things about him he is he might be the best goalie in the NHL right now and he has the potential if he can come into the play-ins like he was playing when he ended the season he he can take that Jets team to anywhere when Connor Hellebuck runs the Winnipeg Jets run I have him coming in at number one we got two awards left here we have the Norris award and number five for me coming in at the Norris voting is might shock some of you guys but he is again I'm dropping the underrated word but he is one of the most underrated defensemen in the game he's a huge part for Las Vegas's success this year number five the Abbotsford native Shea Theodore Shea Theodore this year, no one, literally no one outside of Vegas talks about him. Not even anyone in Abbotsford talks about him. Shea Theodore, 24 years of age, he was one of the players that got sent to Vegas in the expansion draft. He had 46 points, 46 points in 71 games this year. He was Vegas's rock on defense. He was great defensively, he was great offensively. Where are the Las Vegas Golden Knights without Shea Theodore? Marc-Andre Fleury had a pretty di- pretty good, I guess a pretty bad, I was going to say a pretty good down year, a pretty bad down year this season. Uh, Shea Theodore carried that defense. They got reinforcements with Alec Martinez, which was nice. But Shea Theodore, for me, has been the rock on that defense. And without him, are the, are the Golden Knights a playoff team? I mean, that top six, there's a sick with Pacioretty, Stone, Stasny, Carlson, Marchessault, and Smith. Uh, they got Alex Tuck on depth there too with Ryan Reeves who's a great fourth line player but I mean without Shea Theodore on that defense what what are the Vegas Golden Knights are they a playoff team 
with the when they got Leonard there now, which definitely helps them. Before Leonard got there and Flurry was playing with that defense without Theodore, are they a playoff team? I I am not sure of that. Uh, we go to number four for myself here. We have Victor Hedman of the Tampa Bay Lightning. Victor Hedman, in my mind, is if you're ever going off the past three or four years, in my mind, Victor Hedman is the best defenseman in the NHL. I don't think there's that much debate there. The Tampa Bay Lightning had a pretty rough start this season, but they turned it around, started to look like their old selves. I don't know if they want to look like their old selves of last season because of what happened in the playoffs, but they started to turn around a bit. He had 55 points in 66 games, 11 goals, 44 assists. And again, I don't like reading into the plus-minus stat too much. I Sometimes I find it's a meaningless stat, but he was a plus-27 this year. I don't want to use that as like, look, he's a he's a plus in the plus-minus category. He's automatically good. That's not what I'm saying. But when you get a high plus-minus like that, it, it does stand out to the quality of the team you're playing on and how you contribute to that. So I got Hedman coming in at number four. At number three, I had Alex Petrangelo of the St. Louis Blues. And I... As a Stars fan, I hate giving any bit of credit to the St. Louis Blues. Man, Alex Petrangelo was a friggin' beast this year. He he, he had 52 points in 70 games. Uh, he was a huge reason the St. Louis Blues were able to continue their success this season. Uh, they got nice right side depth there with Colton Pareko and Justin Falk. Uh, Petrangelo, this is an interesting case, though. I... I don't. I think he's gone next year. I think in free agency. I think he's gone. I think he's heading out. I don't. I haven't really thought of any potential destinations yet, off the top of my head. If he wants to play in Canada, I would say Toronto and Winnipeg could really use that kind of defenseman. I don't know if Petrangelo's staying though. But in the playoffs last year, he put up 19 points in 26 games. Alex Petrangelo is a huge factor in why the St. Louis Blues have a chance to repeat the season. And number two for me, I have John Carlson of the Washington Capitals. John Carlson, you could argue his defensive game is just extremely abysmal. It's not great, but no matter your no matter your defensive play, you just you cannot ignore the stats. For me, the way I see it is the Norris yeah, it's the best defenseman award, but it's for me, it's the best all-around defenseman. All right, it's not the best all-around defenseman, but can you? You got to be able to put up points. You got to be able to defend. You got to do all of it. And for me, John Carlson, sure, his defensive game isn't great, but you just can't ignore the. You can't ignore the points. He had seventy-five points in sixty-nine games this year. He was the arguably the best offensive player on the Capitals this year as a defenseman, right behind Ovechkin. You just, you, we haven't seen an offensive season like that from a defenseman, and I couldn't, I couldn't tell you when. John Carlson, that, that's just, it's too hard to ignore those kind of stats. Like, at the beginning of the year, he was on pace for over 100 points as well. So that kind of, beginning of the year, that kind of set him ahead above the rest of the group. But then as the season went on, the number one player for me who, Passed him with ease at number one, Roman Yossi. You can make a case, and I don't, I'll give you a spoiler now, I don't have him in my top three from heart or my top five even, but Roman Yossi, you could make a case for Roman Yossi that he was so good he could be in the heart discussion, let alone the Norris discussion. 
you look at the excuse me, look at the Nashville Predators this year. Uh, they were not good, uh, not good, and a very big disappointment. I feel like that would be an understatement. Uh, as a Stars fan, I got to watch them play against the Stars last year in the playoffs. They were not good at all. They were. I, I'm not trying to throw shade. They just they were bad. The Stars could have took that series in five. Like they were not good at all, and I think that might have given them a bit a a bit of a what do you call I guess bad vibes. They didn't really rebound well going into the season. They started slow. At the end, they looked like they picked up there. They had back to back shutouts against my Stars, uh, so they picked up there. But I mean, I'm just not sold on the goaltending there. But we'll jump back onto the topic real quick. Uh, Robin Yossi has put that Preds team single-handedly into the playoffs this year. Uh, without that, without Roman Yossi on that Preds team, I just, I don't know how they perform. I don't know how they perform. Like, Yossi this year, he put up 65 points in 69 games while being elite defensively. Like, sure, Carlson had 75 points in 69 games. Yossi had 65 and 69 while being 1,000 times better defensively. For me, it's Roman Yossi. I just, if if I'm a team in the play-in, the play-in rounds, I have to go up against Nashville, and I'm in the whiteboard in the locker room, big fat red circle, red circle on Yo- Roman Yossi's name. That's just, that's a number one target you need to shut down. You shut Yossi down, you probably get past the Preds, but that is not an easy task. Fun fact, by the way, the uh, the top three Norris voting this year were Carlson, Yossi, Hedman. Want to know what they all have in common? They lead the NHL's scoring and defenseman in categories number one, two, and three. So, NHL for you. And the moment we've all been waiting for, the Hart finalist. So, number five in the Hart voting, for me, we have Connor Hellebuck. And I don't really know what else to really say, as I kind of pumped his tires pretty good in the Vesna conversation there. So I'm not going to go over it again. You guys heard it all. Uh, like I said, take Hellebuck off the Jets. Maybe the worst team in the league. Even with that top six. Uh, Connor Hellebuck, number five for me. At number four, he had a he quietly had one of the best seasons in the NHL. No one really talks about him. I gave his head coach a lot of praise uh, for him dealing with the injuries, the coach. But number four for me is Evgeny Malkin. No one... No one is talking about Evgeny Malkin this year. When Crosby was out of the lineup, Evgeny Malkin put that team as he does when Mal- as he does when Crosby's out. He put that team on his back. He had 74 points in 55 games this year. He has 74 points in 55 games. He went vintage Malkin this year. Evgeny Malkin this season was he might have been a top five center this year. No one talks about him. Evgeny Malkin. Turns Brian Rust into, and you can argue Mike Sullivan as well, which I did earlier in the show, almost a point-per-game player. Evgeny Malkin, in my eyes, carried that team, made all the players around him better. For me, it's not a competition. Like He should be in the top five voting if he's not when these finalists come out, when the uh, when the awards get announced, and then you see like the 20 players who got votes or whatever. For me, Evgeny Malkin, number four. And number three, I will say quickly, the NHL's top three finalists. 
for the Heart Trophy were Dreisaitl, Panarin, McKinnon. Uh, so for me, hold on. For me at number three, I have Leon Dreisaitl. Leon Dreisaitl this year, I mean, <laughs> the stats don't lie. He had 110 points in 71 games this year with 43 goals. While Connor McDavid was out, the questions came of, can, can Leon Dreisaitl put this team on his back for the next month or so while McDavid's out? And he did it. He has crafted one of the best second lines in the league of him, Nugent Hopkins on that left side, and Yamamoto on that right side. Nugent Hopkins for me, or sorry, Leon Dreisaitl for me, like, I see a lot of Getzlaff in his game. Just the, just the way he skates, the way he plays with his hands. I see a lot of Getzlaff and Lindros to him. Uh, I have him at number three. I just... I think you got to be a little better defensively for me to crack that top two. Uh, he's a big he's a big reason why the Edmonton Oilers have been able to turn that ship around this year, along with McDavid and Tippett. Uh, he gets my number three vote. So my number two vote, and I'm just going to jump right to the number one vote, actually, because we all know it's between McKinnon and Panarin. And trust me, I spent hours trying to decide who would get my heart number one vote if it would be Panarin or McKinnon. And I spent, like I said, hours upon hours, and I finally came to the decision of John Carlson. When, I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, number one for me, Nathan McKinnon. Um, Nathan McKinnon, what, what what can you say about him? With all, And it's kind of the same with the... Um, it's kind of the same with the Evgeny Malkin... Uh, Sorry, I'm typing stats, or I'm typing in players while talking, and I typed in Nathan Malkin. <laughs> uh, Nathan McKinnon, like, it's kind of the same thing with Evgeny Malkin. Injuries after injuries after injuries after injuries. And what is Malkin, Malkin, I'm getting McKinnon and Malkin mixed up, I apologize. And what does McKinnon do? Throws the team on his back. Uh, Lannis Cog out, Rantanen out, Kadri out, Makar out. He gets Nichushkin and I believe Burakovsky's out for a bit too as well. He's got Nachushkin on his left wing, Donskoy on his right, and he puts up ninety three. He puts up ninety three points in sixty nine nice games. Uh, it without McKinnon on that Avs team, it's just I don't know if they're a playoff team. I I don't think so. Nathan McKinnon is the reason the Avs are where they are. I believe they're a top four team in the league. They might be ranked fourth in the NHL right now. Um, people want to make the case of Nathan McKinnon being the second best player in the NHL. I'm not there yet. For me, I'll hit on this in a later date. For me, uh, best center, the best player in the game for me is Crosby still, followed by McDavid, then McKinnon. I'm not there to say McKinnon's number two yet. People have McKinnon above Crosby. I'm not there yet. But McK Nathan McKinnon... Uh, it's like you look. I believe there's a 40 point gap between McKinnon and Makar as the leading point getters on the Colorado Avalanche. Let me just pull it up right now. Hold on. Here we go. So Nathan McKinnon, 93 points in 69 games. The next closest point getter is Kale Makar with 50 points. 
Nathan McKinnon has a 43-point gap above the second-best player, or the second-best point-getter on the team. And that's with Landis Cog only playing 54 games, Rantanen only playing 42, Burakovsky only playing 58, Bakar playing 57, like, Matt Calvert playing 50, Eric Johnson playing 59, Kamina playing 38. Like, that's the injuries for this team piled up, and we're not even talking about the injuries that Philip Grubauer and Powell Francis suffered this year. Like, Nathan McKinnon put this team on its back when they needed it most, and for me, that's why he comes in at number one. We will talk about Artemi Panarin here at number two. Uh, Artemi Panarin, I think I'm, I might have had him at number one. The sole reason I didn't, and I know people hate this, but it's it's just it's true. You need it. Like yes, he's a play-in team, but for me, you got to be a playoff team got to be a playoff team to win the Hart Award. And you, it's why I debated between McKinnon and Panarin on who should get the number one spot. But what ultimately led me to giving it to McKinnon was when the injury struck, he kept that team afloat, not only in the playoff race, he kept that team in the Western Conference race for first place in the West. But Panarin, you look at Artemi Panarin here, he's got 95 points in 69 games. He has done a complete 180 on the New York Rangers franchise. Like, they were in straight rebuild mode. They got the second overall pick last season, draft Capo Caco. Uh, there's not much of a future, at least for the time being last year, when it comes to the New York Rangers team. They signed Panarin. Zabana Jets turns into this beast goal scorer. And look at Artemi Panarin, who he was playing with. Jesper Fass and Ryan Strom. The, the entire year, and that's that is no disrespect to Jesper Fast and Ryan Strom, but you, you look at like look who let's for example like McKinnon now that he's healthy with his teammates he plays with Landis Cog and McKinnon and I know or Landis Cog and Rantanen sorry and I know you could use that argument against uh, McKinnon and or McKinnon for Panarin and I will hear out that argument but I mean the the players in the Abs they were hurt it felt like almost the entire year. And while they needed McKinnon most, he was able to step up. But Panarin at number two for me. Uh, the quality of line mates he's playing with and how close he got them to that playoff line. And he just sneaks in because of the COVID situation with the plans. Uh, he hits number two for me. Alright, so that is going to wrap up this week's episode. Uh, hopefully we'll have the guys back next week. Uh, so those are my Hart, Vesna, Calder, Adam, Selkie award winners. Uh, we hit on all the award winners. Uh, we hit on the NHL expansion draft, the newest team in the NHL, the Seattle Kraken. Uh, so next week we're going to hit on the hit on the play-ins, the play-in previews, our play-in predictions. We might even go to might go to as far as the playoff previews of our brackets. Uh, we haven't discussed all that yet, but for sure next week, Kaiser's going to be here, Brennan's going to be here, the boys are going to be back, and we are going to rock it with the play-in show. It's basically Christmas Eve. We cannot wait. We are so excited. I've been Cody French. This has been Off the Post Podcast. We'll see you guys next week.